The safety of elections is emerging as one of the biggest public policy issues in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. And one of the off-sided solutions is pivoting to a, quote, vote-by-mail system. But the vague term vote-by-mail doesn't tell the whole story, as there are massive differences between sending every voter a ballot and making absentee voting more accessible. So we're turning to Boone County Clerk Brianna Lennon and Green County Clerk Shane Scholler to break down the ways forward for our elections on the latest episode of Politically Speaking. Let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, the definitive show about Missouri politics. It's a little complicated in Bolivar because there is a Parsons family there. But we also knew that it was important to make sure that, that we got to where we needed to go. You know if you walk in a room and you're getting ready to make a decision, and everybody in the room looks like you. You need to stop. And right now what happens in the United States Senate is as critical as anywhere else in the country. I really want the state to succeed. We want everybody to uh, know that we're all working together. I just worked hard to try to build my name where I didn't have the money. And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, St. Louis Public Radio political correspondent, Jason Rosenbaum. And I'm joined by two guests via Zoom today that I've known for a really long time. I have a lot of respect to both of them because they're both Missouri's foremost experts on local elections. The first is Greene County Clerk. Hello, Shane Scholler. And Boone County Clerk. Hey, Brianna Lennon. So we're going to be talking about where Missouri elections go from here during the coronavirus pandemic. I feel like this issue is so important. This is on the minds of thousands, if not millions of people, not only in the state, but nationwide. I know that election, local election officials are not like flamethrowing partisans. I think your main objectives are are running elections smoothly. But, you know, I, I've known both of you for a while, like you are on complete opposite sides of the political spectrum. And when you were coming up with similar conclusions about how our elections needed to be oriented to deal with coronavirus, it, it, it was a pretty big message to me. Why did you two decide to work together on this issue? And how confident are you that our election infrastructure now is ready for the June election, August election, and November elections? Well, I think I'd mentioned earlier when, when we were visiting um, that when Brianna was running um, for county clerk, um, I began to notice then that she was following some of my, my Twitter traffic at the time. And then um, after she was elected, got a chance to meet her in December um, during the um, you know new clerk training that happened there in Jefferson City. And we just began, I think at that time, to realize we both are really passionate about elections running well. And I can't remember specifically, but last year at some point, Brianna mentioned Um, co-authoring an editorial at that time for our statewide um, newspapers. And we did that at the time and we worked together really well on that. And we've done a couple others previously. Um, And then when this came up, it was like, this is not a time to think about partisanship. This is the time to think about voters. Because in my role as, as a county clerk, I try to put myself in the role of the voter and how can we best make sure that every voter feels safe and confident? You know, I've been in the role of partisanship before, and that's important, but that's not the role I have as a county clerk. My role as a county clerk is to make sure that every voter, that when they come to vote, they have an opportunity 
to do that and know that they can do that in a safe manner. And if you're in a population where it could end up being um, a greater chance for you, which clearly they're talking about people who are 16 over, people who have compromised health systems, um, they shouldn't have to make a choice between their health and vote. And I think that's why we're looking at some common sense solutions that respect the voting system we have here in Missouri, um, but at the same time, make sure that when people get ready to vote um, in the upcoming elections, that they can do that and do it without the fear of compromising one over the other. Uh, Brianna, uh, same question to you. When I first came in, as Shane said, I think we realized pretty early that we were in agreement on a lot of things. Shane had piloted a risk limiting audit last year that I went to and attended um, because there are lots of areas of elections administration that we don't necessarily have the laws for yet or have, you know, adopted in Missouri, but we see in other places that are really helping voters and helping the integrity of our elections. And that's really where uh, we tend to come together and find places where we feel like it's really going to help us as elections administrators put on better elections, allow voters to have more confidence in what's happening um, in their elections and make sure that they know that, you know, our equipment is working properly, their vote is being counted and that they can trust the results on election night. And as Shane mentioned before too, part of that is making sure that people can securely and safely cast their ballot. So if they can't even get to our voting equipment to cast their ballot because they're too concerned to come to a polling place, then we need to have a way to make that happen. And that's one of the places in the you know, list of things that we have asked for, one of those being a recognition that absentee voting applies to this scenario, whether it's through a disaster excuse or otherwise, um, is really a, a pretty tame suggestion. I mean, in the world of partisan electioneering and things like that, asking for something that tight to just deal with the scenario that we're in to make sure that our voters can cast a ballot is really not a huge ask. I think that's really important. One of the reasons why we came together to amplify our voices to have that conversation is uh, we're seeing this on the ground level. Voters are calling and asking how they can vote absentee. Voters are calling with concerns about how they can vote and not expose themselves particularly both Shane and I are in areas where we have our own stay-at-home orders in addition to what the governor uh, has adopted for the state. So we've, we've got voters that are trying to comply with local orders and be able to still cast their ballot. So let's talk about going to a what I call Oregon Washington style vote by mail system. And what I'm and, and both of you can correct me if I'm wrong. But in states like Oregon and Washington, the election officials mail people a ballot and they have a certain amount of time to send it back. My understanding, though, from talking with especially you, Brianna, is you have real concerns about whether some of the rural counties have the infrastructure to pull that off. First, it's not just rural counties. I mean, the important thing to know about states like Washington and Oregon and I look a lot at Colorado, too, because Colorado's had a lot of um, vote by mail scenarios play out, is that these are phased in things that happen over years. These are not reforms that go into place and then everyone's prepared to do it within the same year. It requires a lot of 
um, searching for different vendors to be able to send out printed ballots like that. My example is always that I've got 120,000 voters in Boone County. On a good day for a good election, I send out 1,500 total absentee ballots. If I had to switch and send 120,000 ballots out unsolicited just as a matter of process, I'd have to be able to coordinate a ballot printer that could do that, some kind of mail system that could do that, and then have the money to pay for all that and have the place to store those resources because I can't physically keep 120,000 ballots and all of the re related instructions and envelopes and return ballots uh, in a place that would be easily accessible or easily organized. And then also have the staffing once they return to be able to process all of them. And that involves bipartisan teams that open the envelopes, pull the envelopes out, and then uh, you know, just check against the voter registration and the signature. And there's no process in Missouri right now that efficiently allows us to check signatures other than the petitions uh, that we have in place, but that is a full system that the state has put together. So um, there are a lot of moving parts to mail-in elections. And with Missouri's only experience being a very narrowly written law that says that if you have a nonpartisan, non-election, single issue election, you can use mail-in elections. Lots of clerks have, have played with that statute and have gone out and done small mail-in elections, Boone County included in the past. Um, but that has been done on such a microscopic level than scaling it up for rural counties or even for large counties that have not considered how to do it. Uh, would be a very big lift and it would be very challenging. So uh, Shane, I'm going to play a clip now from Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft that kind of piggybacks on a lot of Brianna's points. I think the uh, Secretary of State of Washington, Kim Wyman, uh, put out a, a, about a three or four page paper on, on, on mail-in voting. And what she said was, unless you are seeing 60% of your votes come in, a minimum of 60% of your votes, your votes come in by uh, mail-in absentee, then you do not have the infrastructure ready to deal with the onslaught of mail-in ballots that you'll have. In addition to responding to Ashcroft's comments, I also want you to respond to anything Brianna said. Do, do, are, are you kind of in agreement that reverting to a again, Oregon-Washington-style mail-in system is going to have immense challenges to be done like this election cycle. No, I concur with Brianna, and I think Secretary Ashcroft was on point that um, organizationally, you know, you go to 116 different election authorities across our state. Each one of them do have their own needs. Now, what was interesting is, is we've been talking to county clerks across the state about the legislation that would allow um, an absentee vote to, um, you know, declared emergency to be one of the excuses you could use to vote absentee. Um, there were a couple of our very smallest counties that said we could do an election all by mail, but we're talking about populations where they have voters in the range of five to 6,000. The smallest county could probably do it. It's when you begin to get into you know, the smaller counties that are bigger than that size, suddenly then they're going to have a lot of challenges to make that happen. Here in Greene County, um, you know, that's certainly with um, over 190,000 active and inactive voters, 
um, that would not be insignificant in terms of the issues that Brianna brought up. Now, I personally also want to state, because a lot of people are mischaracterizing this at this time, um, I believe that we can do things like vote centers during a declared emergency, which is part of the legislation we're looking at. We can look at um, a declared emergency being an excuse to vote absentee. Personally, I could never support a universal vote by mail system. And for me, it's really simple. I think part of what we have in our election system is the idea that when you vote publicly, you vote independently. When suddenly every ballot is sent to someone's home, there's a good chance that a voter will no longer have that opportunity to vote independently like they do in the light of day. As I always like let folks know, everything's transparent about an election except how the voter votes. And so that's why I personally can't support a universal vote by mail system. But again, I don't think that's what any of us across the state have even had a discussion about. That's not what we're thinking about. And I realize there are other election authorities who may disagree with me on what I just said, but that's not the discussion. And I think some people have tried to turn it into Washington, Oregon, and that is wholly inappropriate to what we're talking about. And I think we need to continue to think about the voter and making sure that the voters protected there in this time, both their health and the vote. And that's why I think, um, Brianna, we can work together on these issues because we clearly understand from an election administrator point of view, what we're doing and how we can do it best in order to serve the voters in each of our counties. I mean, I share the concern that uh, it does seem to have turned into a conversation that we are talking about going straight vote by mail. And that's a good example of a place where Shane and I might not personally agree because I don't have a personal problem moving to universal vote by mail. Uh, although I do like Colorado's model the most out of the different models that exist because it does marry together vote centers and being able to have the option with a mail-in option as well. Um, but that is, I mean, Shane hit the nail on the head. The conversation we're trying to have is not about whether we should have this rapid and abrupt shift to completely vote by mail. We're talking about, you know, a long overdue change to our absentee that can accommodate this type of a situation. And we'll be talking more about efforts to change Missouri's absentee balloting system right after this quick break. And we're back on Politically Speaking with Boone County Clerk Brianna Lennon and Greene County Clerk Shane Scholler. Now, I want to get into the nitty gritty about how we change our absentee balloting system in this state, because this has been a discussion for a really long time among county clerks. Right now, there is a list of defined excuses that you can use um, to apply for an absentee ballot. And then, Frankly, I'm going to be very candid with, but I've never done this before, but I've heard a lot of people say that they just make up one of those excuses and get an absentee ballot anyways. Now, I don't know if that's the reason why a lot of people want to move to a no excuse system. That's kind of a separate conversation of what I'm about to orient it to. What I have heard from a statutory standpoint that would seem to remove some ambiguity about the next topic we're going to talk about is if the legislature came back in April or May, passed a bill that said in times of a declared emergency or pandemic or, you know, however you want to define it, you can get an absentee ballot for whatever reason, that the excuses no longer apply. Shane, from reading the Springfield News Leader, I believe that's 
kind of one of the ways you want to go forward on this from a statutory standpoint. Can can you kind of explain what the benefits of that would be? Well, I think clearly when you look at the excuses that we have here in Missouri currently, you know, number two during a pandemic is probably the closest a voter is going to be able um, to put down as an excuse. But when you read it and how that excuse is written in terms of someone that has an illness and is confined to that illness, et cetera, um, it really is not defined towards a pandemic. I think it's more towards a specific person who is ill at the time. Um, but there's a lot of voters that question that. We don't want voters questioning um, an excuse because they're worried that their excuse may not be valid during this time. And that's why when you have an excuse that says clearly during a countywide or statewide declared emergency, that is a valid excuse to vote absentee, then that voter doesn't have to, you know, be concerned. Am I, you know, correctly applying for an absentee ballot given the concern I have or am I not? Um, we don't want voters put in that position. We want them to be able to have that clear reason, make that decision. We hear anecdotally all the time voters, um, you know, are voting absentee that may or may not be out of town. Um, I do kind of joke that during our um, November general elections, even numbered years, more people leave Greene County than probably any other day of the year, um, because we do have a lot of folks that um, use that excuse that they're going to be out of town. And that's something that, um, I think a lot of voters, um, they have their reasons if they are doing that. I just don't think that we want to put them in a position where during a pandemic, during a declared emergency, they're trying to figure out, am I following the statutes and the laws it's written or am I not? This clears that up, makes it very easy on behalf of the voter to be able to cast that ballot. And I think that's why we're um, moving towards this. I think what is really um, a good compromise. We've worked with our election officials across the state. Um, we've reached out to them. Everyone of them um, has been um, sent an email. They were followed up with either by phone or another email by somebody with the legislative committee for our associations, county clerks. So we've done everything we can to reach out and say, what do you think? Um, and overwhelmingly, I think most of the county clerks we heard back from they were supportive of this um, as is the best way to move forward. And uh, before I get Brianna's opinion on this, let's say that this does become law. And what would be the practical impact for voters if they like contact your office in Greene County and they say, I want an absentee ballot mailed to me because I don't want to go out during the COVID pandemic. You would then mail them an absentee ballot because it would fit within the statutory framework of the excuses. The way the law is written, they do, when they request an absentee application, have to state the reason. And so um, underneath this, you know, declared emergency being an excuse, they could call in and say, you know, during this declared emergency, I'm going to go ahead and request an absentee ballot be mailed to me. We would mark that or they would mark that when they send that application into the office and then we would be able to then send them um, that ballot for that reason. Um, and I think that's that's the goal that we're working towards in terms of, of the legislation that we're looking at. Brianne, I want to hear your opinion about 
of the legislative change that Shane was talking about. We're going to talk in a minute about the current statute and whether it's sufficient, but I, I want to hear your your take on whether that's a good solution to this for the legislature to pass pretty much exactly what Shane is talking about. Yeah, I mean the hope that we're that we have for this type of a legislative solution is to reduce voter confusion and really allow us to have the best possible outcome for the election because we do have voters calling up and asking well which excuse should i use um or does it apply at all or what do i do because i don't feel comfortable choosing one of these excuses but i also don't want to go to the polls and i've had voters tell me I'm just not going to cast a ballot in the upcoming election. And that's heartbreaking. As an election administrator, that is the last thing that you want a voter to tell you. And when it's something that I can't make any better without a legislative change, um, that's one of the reasons I think there are so many election officials on both sides of the aisle that are trying to make this better because we hear from voters every day. And they're not all one party. Every party has the same problem. Everyone wants to cast their ballot. So... The, the legislative change that would add that excuse. Um, the one additional thing that's in there, so the, the illness or injury excuse right now of the six is the only one that does not require the ballot to be notarized. Um, the excuse of having a, a disaster would fall under that category as well so that people could have um, all social distancing and, and confinement, they could still continue to comply with that. Uh, I think that it gives the best opportunity to voters to be able to vote during this extraordinary situation. So I want to talk about the third scenario, and that is relying on the current statutory language as valid enough to send people absentee ballots without an excuse. And this is the reason I'm bringing this up as a scenario, because I think it's a very real possibility that even if there is some legislative consensus on this, there's not really a clear consensus if the legislature is going to come back and do anything other than the budget. It's not out of the question that th this legislation doesn't pass. So the current statutory language says you can get an absentee ballot if you have incapacity or confinement due to illness or physical disability, including a person who is primarily responsible for the physical care of a person who is incapacitated or confined due to illness or disability. I want to make sure I got the, the statutory language right. Do both of you feel like that is clear enough to send absentee ballots to people when requested without a statutory change? I'm going to start with you, Brianna. I mean, I think that if you've seen the coverage of this, that every clerk is responding to this in different ways. It highlights exactly why we need a legislative change. Because we're all doing the best we can for our voters. And I want as many people to vote absentee if that's what makes them feel safe as possible. Um, but that doesn't mean that we're all able to offer the same answer or even offer much of an answer at all during regular uh, absentee voting for any other regular election, when people call, the answer is always the same, which is it's really up to you to choose this excuse. You're the one that has to, you know, write it down and sign your name to it. So 
that's the biggest reason I think that it's important to have some clarification so that we have consistency across the state. I think if, if the current statute and the excuses, especially number two, were adequate, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Even our conversation with Secretary Ashcroft, um, you know, I think we've all had consensus that there needs to be clarity during a declared emergency. And that's clearly why we're looking at this, um, you know, change, because if it was adequate, we wouldn't even be having to have this conversation right now, but we are. And so I think that clearly tells you that the statute's not adequate to meet the time period that we're in. Governor Parson was asked a similar question to what I just asked you. And I'm going to play the entire clip, including what the question was. I'm going to have you respond to this because this has gotten a lot of reaction and a lot of it negative. And I want to use it as the next point of discussion. Governor Parson, do you believe the COVID-19 pandemic or abiding by government issue stay-at-home order is a valid excuse for Missourians to request and cast an absentee ballot? I, I do not. Uh, look, the absentee ballot is more of a political issue than it is anything. This is a Democrat-Republican issue, and that's where this is all headed, is to a political answer and, and what's driving behind this force. Right now, it's about repair or being prepared for COVID-19, doing what we can for that. It's about getting the economy started back up. It's about people going back to work. There'll be time to talk about the elections in November and August, but now's not the time for that. There'll be time for that. So I'm going to throw this question to both of you. And again, I know both of you are not partisan flamethrowers. You are election officials. So you're going to have to temper your response to what the governor said. But isn't the fact that we're having this podcast right now showcase that what the governor said is objectively not true, that there is bipartisan concern over elections, and that this is not a Republican-Democratic issue, that this is a bipartisan concern about whether there's competence for Missourians to go forth in this very important election coming up. I think part of when I heard that response yesterday, and clearly there was a lot of conversation around that, I think part of what I want to give Governor Parson credit for is that he has a lot of things that are on his plate right now that they are trying to, um, you know, address and take care of. And I think that you could see that in terms of the, the emergency declarations and stay-at-home orders that have been issued. I'm not sure how much the conversation has revolved around voting specifically. And so, I want to give some leeway to the fact that if we have a longer conversation with Governor Parson, that there would be an opportunity to be able to explain why this is a concern, because clearly he understands the concern, or otherwise the declarations of state home order would not have been issued. Um, but as I said to the news leader um, when they reached out, and that was, you know, clearly we have, especially when we think of our most faithful voters, seniors are often thought of as the most faithful voters. And they're clearly the ones that are local health officials statewide. Um, Dr. Fauci has said, you know, please stay at home. Don't put yourself at risk because there is nothing currently for the virus that um, can give you an immunity to it. And so in the context of that conversation, when you think about every voter and their opportunity to be able to cast that vote safely, I think that's the conversation we have to have both with Governor Parson and with the legislature. And we're beginning those conversations as an association with our legislators. Um, I think they understand it. I know that they're hearing from voters as well, not just us. Um, I think that, you know, we're hearing a lot from folks, but I know they're being reached out to 
from. And so I want to give a little more time um, to have a further conversation with the governor and his folks before I make a determination if that's really um, the conclusion he settled at, or if that was just kind of an initial moment at press conference, which, you know, I think we've all been there at times. Um, you're, you're trying to think through your response and that may have been just his initial thought without really even having that long-term conversation because I, I've served with Governor Parson, I know him well. I think he is a conscientious um, leader. And so that's why I think we have a greater opportunity long-term be able to say this is a concern. And it, frankly, it starts in the legislature, as we all know. That's where um, statutory changes begin. That's where we've started. And we look forward to that conversation continuing. I mean, my, my initial response when I heard that was obviously disappointment. And I, like Shane, I don't know if this is just an initial response or if this is, you know, the, the end point. And I'm hopeful that it is just the initial response and this conversation can still continue. Uh, uh, to me, this is an extremely bipartisan request, and it's not just a request that's being made of Missouri. This is happening in many, many, many other states. We just watched what happened in Wisconsin when it didn't work. And the other election administrators that I talked to in other states, in Michigan and in Maryland, are also Democrat and Republican, or in some cases, neither, because not everybody's required to choose a party when they become an election administrator. And there is universal consensus that something needs to change in order for us to have successful elections in 2020. You know, there's obviously a lot of conversation that still needs to happen. Um, and I'm still hoping that that conversation continues. And like Shane says, a lot of that is gonna be sitting with the legislature as well. Before I sign off, I want to make sure I give both of you an opportunity to add anything that we haven't talked about that you think is pretty important on this topic. I think the most important thing for everyone to realize is that local election authorities are working extremely hard to make sure that voters have a good experience at the polling place and whether they vote absentee, despite what's happening with the pandemic, despite what's happening politically, we are all working together and coming up with best practices and doing things we've never thought we've had to do before, like create social distancing scenarios for polling places that might be the size of a cafeteria and try to figure out how that's going to actually work in practice. Um, but we're working around the clock trying to make sure that everybody has a good experience. So voters can still trust in their local election authorities and they still should, um, that we're going to be doing everything we can, regardless of how this shakes out, to have good elections. Yeah, and I think another part of the conversation I meant to mention earlier um, is that there are also voters who are going to want to vote in person. They don't want to lose that part of their life that they're accustomed to. And one of the things that we're looking at as a solution is central polling locations ahead of election day, which, you know, oftentimes are called vote centers, but would allow voters to be able to come easily social distance um, themselves as they come in to vote. Um, and you can do those at, um, you know, uh, locations that have, um, you know, adequate parking, you know, facilities inside that would be able to host that. So we're also looking at solutions for the voters that say, you know, I'm not comfortable with voting by mail. I still want to vote in person. 
And I think that's an important part of the conversation that we can't lose. Because I know, you know, leading up to the March presidential preference primary, we made a number of changes that day to the election. We, you know, ordered nitrile gloves. We ordered extra hand sanitizer. We ordered things to make sure that the hard services were being cleaned. We were doing a number of things then. We encouraged voters to bring your own pen, bring your own stylus, you know, to use on the equipment as, as you're voting. But even for this upcoming election, I know that Brianne and I were looking at solutions for that. One of those that we're going to have, I know here in Greene County, I assume Brianne's going to do something similar. We're going to have one person who's going to be assigned to cleaning the polling location throughout the entire day for June 2nd to make sure that um, everything is safe for the voters there. Of course, having masks there um, for the election judge to be able to use. So, you know, we're not only thinking about legislative solutions, we're also thinking about election day solutions for voters because we still want them to feel comfortable to be able to come and cast that vote. But clearly the things we talked about will help in terms of election day running smoothly. And so hopefully we can reach an agreement together um, before we get there. I want to thank both of you so much for having this conversation. And I don't just say this because I like both of you quite a bit as both people and election officials, but I feel like this is probably going to be one of the more important policy discussions we have during this pandemic. And I think it's important for voters to hear from the people on the ground. So for all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. Shane, how could people follow you on Twitter or find out more about your office on the World Wide Web? They can go on Twitter at Shane Schuller, um, follow me there, and then also through the office, um, greencountymo.gov forward slash county underscore clerk. And so we have a number of things that address the issues we talked about today um, on the front of our website there for the office, but that's another way that we can connect. And so they're always welcome um, to be able to connect either through the website, through um, Twitter. We also have one for the office, which is at Green County Votes. And so they're welcome to be able to connect through us through that. And then they're always welcome to call the office at 417-868-4055. And uh, Brianna, I know where to find uh, information about Boone County uh, elections because I checked it all the time when I lived in Columbia. But for people that live in Boone County that want to know more about your office, either through social media or anywhere else, uh, how do they find more information? So we have uh, Facebook, a Twitter, and an Instagram, as well as a regular page. It's all Vote Boone Mo. So if you want to find us on Facebook or on Twitter or Instagram, it's all Vote Boone Mo. And to go to our website, you can go to vote.boonmo.org, and that'll take you to the clerk's page. And you can request an absentee ballot there. You can register to vote there. You can look yourself up and see where your polling place and your sample ballot for upcoming elections are. Um, and then uh, personally, my, my Twitter handle is Brianna Lennon. And uh, that's my page where I put out a lot of policy discussions. We'll be back next time. Until then, so long. 